<laughs> or, or one of them gets stuck on the escalator. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That Utram's on the escalator again. That Utram is back on the, the escalator. escalator. Michelangelo here, you know, the master of the whirling pizzas. And you, my friend, are listening to Turtle Flakes, a bodacious bowl of Ninja Turtles goodness, brought to you by my radical dudes, Rob and John. Bowabunga! Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, Turtle Flakes fans. It is Rob and Josh, and we are back with another episode of Turtle Flakes. How we're back. That? And we're back. <laughs> Josh, I missed you, man. Oh, dude, I missed you too. It's been crazy. It's been a crazy couple weeks. We, yeah. Uh, again, off schedule, but you know what? Who cares? We're back. We're, only, t- we're only two days off. That's good for us. It's, it's better than two months off, right? That's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Josh, he, he couldn't make um, the, the last... Uh, you were out of town, right, Josh, Saturday? Yep. Yeah. He, yeah. Me us. yeah. Right, right, right. Well, you know, I got to blame somebody except myself for once. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, yeah, uh, Josh is going to be out of town, but I wanted to go ahead and still record a show, and I did on Saturday. And I sounded so pathetic and lonely that I never did release it. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Like, I've listened to it, and I'm like, I sound so sad. You were ronery. I was so ronery. <laughs> me, me miss you a long time. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, Hoser, um, you know, originally we were just going to do this episode based on the Hun action figure, but since, um, you know, this past uh, Saturday's episode never did happen, we're just going to cram the Hun action figure review, and we're going to go ahead and cover the fourth issue of the fourth volume of the Mirage series as well. So we're going to cram it both into one episode. Should not, shouldn't be longer than about an hour, but we've got some turtle news and turtle pickups to talk about as well. So, so Hoser, I guess we'll start off with the pickups, eh? All right. All right, well, what did you get this week? Oh, <sighs> Mm, nothing turtle related. Really? Jeez, what a <laughs> I hoser! Don't think so, no, I've been working on the arcade cabinet though. So, how's that coming? Uh, it, it's coming along pretty good. I just had a, a couple of problems with the uh, the buttons on it, so I ordered some higher uh, higher quality ones. Oh, nice. What's, so, wrong, what's wrong with the buttons? They just weren't responsive? Yeah, they weren't very responsive. It was like sometimes you would hit it, sometimes it would register, and other times it wouldn't. So, um. Wasn't exactly the way I wanted it, but um, once I have it completely finished, I will uh, post it on uh, Facebook. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and I'll bring it down next time we get together, man. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Well, heck, I'm due to come up there now. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> listeners, if you've not seen his turtle cabinet, it is amazing. So, like, how big How big roughly is it? It's because I know it's a mini cabinet. Yeah, yeah, I'm guessing it's about maybe a f- uh... Uh, It's not too much more than a foot. I would guess between a foot and a foot and a half tall. Uh, Maybe about... Uh, maybe about eight inches wide. It's it's pretty small. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Mini. So it's yeah. almost like a Vectrex almost. Uh, about maybe half the size of a Vectrex. Wow, so smaller. Yeah, it's pretty small. Yeah. Wow. Uh, screen is a, I think five inches. Uh-huh. So it's like a, what you would have on a, a a modern newer like GPS or like a backup camera in your. Right. It's a, it actually is a backup camera. Um, wow. Yeah, and then just hooked it up to a Raspberry Pi, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Dang, how much you figure? You know, with, with you know the. The box design and the buttons, and and then uh, the Raspberry Pi. How much do you think like the finished product would cost? Uh, if you went to build it yourself, uh, probably uh, it's hard to say. I, I don't know on materials uh, because uh, someone else did the cabinet for me, uh-huh. and he's still trying to figure out what the costs are on that. But um, I'd say on all the parts, probably around maybe around a hundred bucks in parts between mm-hmm. the Raspberry Pi, the buttons, the screens, and all that kind of stuff. Um, Probably around a hundred dollars in parts, maybe a little more. That's still pretty uh, awesome. And then you could yeah. like put—I don't know if there was a way you could put LED lights behind and make it glow. Oh, oh that'd be so that cool. Would be good, yeah. Oh, so cool. So that's yeah. a project I'd love to. If I had the time, and maybe I'll have to just make time. I would love to get into you know that kind of hobby there. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's going to be sweet. It's got and it's got all the uh, Nintendo, Sega, game. Uh, it's got everything on it. It's a retro pie. It's uh, um, yeah. I'm For jealous. the Raspberry Pi, you can get like a whole build for it for pretty much everything so oh man you know i'll I'll tell you listeners 
my friends, Josh is Donatello. I mean, he really is. Like, there, there's pictures of him working on it, and I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, but he's in the zone, and it's almost like he's, you know, in his own turtle layer working on this thing, and it looks amazing. So for those of you who are huge fans of the 1989 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade cabinet, you'll love this little mini cab he's working on. It looks awesome. It's going to be sweet. Yeah, so for me, I've really not gotten any pickups except for... Um, I got the uh, Villains compilation with Baxter, Stockman, Krang, Alapex, and Old Hob, but I've not read any of the micro-series yet, except for the Old Hob one. Uh, and it's pretty good. It's pretty daggone good. And I always kind of felt bad for Old Hob, and was kind of glad he kind of came to the, uh, I guess, the good side, you know, when he starts working with the Turtles uh, uh, as a member of the Mutanimals. So, Mutanimals! The Mutanimals. And speaking of which, I was going through some of my old comics yesterday, and uh, I found some of the original Mutanimals uh, comic books that I had gotten um, from the Archie series. And boy, they look so different from the ones now. But, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to kind of go back and see some of those old early 90s comics. They were so bright and vibrant and so – they felt like the 80s. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that's been a ba- basically all I've done this week. Now, I kind of borrowed a page out of your book, Josh, uh, the Craigslist page. Uh-huh. Or the Craigslist idea. I love that idea. And I was searching around in the uh, eastern Tennessee area. And the only one that I really thought was cool, I, I searched up classic toys. Couldn't find a lot of hits on classic toys except for, I think, like a boxed April or something like that. Uh, it was uh, it was weird. It was like she was wearing um, like Tarzan clothes. And they wanted like 50 bucks for it. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if that's a rare figure or not. But uh, I didn't actually store that link, but the one I found that was kind of cool and it was at a reasonable price was there was a, a Corey Feldman um, 1990 Tops Donatello trading card signed by Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. Uh, oh, dude. <laughs> and uh, the guy only wanted 10 bucks for it. So Seriously? Uh, yeah, and it looked legit. I mean, I don't know if it's certified or not, but uh, we'll definitely pro- provide a uh, link in the show notes for it. It looked pretty cool. Wow. And it was still available as of yesterday. Very cool. Hey. You expected maybe the Adams family? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sure the listeners are like, oh, we stop it with that line. <laughs> well, some somebody uh, somebody put a funny line on our Facebook page the other day. I think it was. Uh, I think I swallowed a frog. Hope it wasn't an ancestor. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I never forget the angry video game nerd talking about oh, that. Oh <laughs> yeah, the classic. Oh sweet. So uh, Hoser, I guess we should get in the news, eh? Yeah, well, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so cue the turtle news. So uh, Josh has a lot more news than I do, so I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way. Okay, so the first thing um, that I found was that the TMNT Color Classics Volume 3, Issue 10 is out on uh, digital download and print. Uh, It's the uh, City at War Saga Part 8. And a little summary of this one, it says, As Master Splinter remains trapped in the Rat King's clutches... The Turtles must decide if they can trust Karai in a partnership to restore order to New York City. So that just came out. Uh, I think it's $3.99 for digital download. I think it just came out about two weeks ago. And then one that just another one that came out close to two weeks ago was the, the monumental, the major issue, um, number 50. It's, I don't know if you've read this, Josh. H- have you read uh, issue 50 yet? Not yet. Oh, man. Well, it just came out on, on October 7th. And boy, is it a doozy. I can say this. It almost it felt just as shocking and monumental as a Donatello issue for me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Did you cry? <laughs> well, no. But see, it, this one had a different feel to it because... Okay, I'm going to give a spoiler alert just in case I blurt out something that might spoil it. Okay? <laughs> it's almost like... Hoser alert. That goes off every time I walk by. <laughs> um, it's almost like when you're watching a series... And you don't expect it to have a definitive end. Like, you're almost expecting, like, comic books. There's always a loophole. You know, when you finally have the the good guy versus the bad guy, you think, okay, well, there's no way the good guy is going to kill the bad guy. Or there's no way the the bad guy is going to kill the good guy. There's going to be some last-minute thing that changes things. Um, Some kind of loophole where one of them gets away. Well, in this one, it's got a definitive end. Somebody dies in this issue. And... I know there's the whole, you know, reincarnation story of the Turtles, and I know no character is truly going to die forever or stake on forever, but, man, this issue makes it look like somebody is not coming back. (laughs) 
He gone. He gone. Or she gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Josh, you're just going to have to read it, eh? Oh, jeez. I guess I have to now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, basically, the, uh, the uh, summary here says, The epic conclusion of over four years' worth of storylines. The Turtles stand against Shredder for one final battle that will determine the fate of New York City and the world for years to come. So this is a double-sized issue, and this is uh, this runs for seven ninety-nine. So, very very monumental episode. I episode. Jeez, what is this cartoon? Uh, very awesome, uh, very impactful issue here. So for those of you who have not read it yet, download it, buy it. It is fantastic. So, and there's about twenty variant covers to it. Oh wow! Yeah, it it was a, it's a big one. I haven't been to the comic book shop recently, which is, which is why I haven't picked up much, because they just throw everything in my bin, so I have to get up there. Same here. Yeah, I better get up there. Uh, yeah, my printed copy, I'm sure it's waiting for me in there, but I, I already just kind of bit the bullet and bought the digital version, so it, it was it was worth it. So what about you, Jose? Did you find any news? I did, I did. I got a couple items here. News item number one. Uh, Rob, did you know the Ninja Turtles have their own museum exhibit? Get out of here. Uh, TMNT Secret of the Sewers it's a museum exhibit and uh, it's running from September 25th 2015 uh, so about a month ago through April of 2016 in the Children's Museum of Indianapolis Um, there was a video on it It actually looks pretty cool it's like um, an interactive exhibit they've got all this different kind of stuff you can check out they had like a a game set up that looks kind of like Fruit Ninja or something like that but it's Ninja Turtles themed and you can slice stuff and they got like a a pizza shooter it looks pretty sweet so uh, I just thought that was really cool and uh, they did an interview uh, I think it was an Indiana news channel Uh, I watched the video and they're just talking to the lady that um, I guess that set everything up and she said they he asked you know why did you guys choose to do the turtles and she said it because uh the turtles are really so so popular across multiple generations that they wanted to do something that would attract everybody. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's a good answer, too. Yeah, and she said it would be traveling for five years. So who wow. knows? Traveling. So I guess they take it from town to town? Yeah, they, they assemble the exhibit, and yeah, it goes town to town. Oh, man. How cool would that be if that was in our areas? I know. Jeez. So- so yeah, whole exhibit. They I guess they built everything themselves. It's officially licensed by Nickelodeon or whatever, and uh, yeah, it's going to be traveling. So uh, keep your uh, keep keep your ears and eyes open, uh, listening for the secret of the sewers. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I I would say come to our town, man. I'll tell you, it's like it's like the circus. It would be sweet, dude. Oh, it'd be amazing. Uh, so the next tur- uh, turtles news item is. Uh, Turtles the Animated Season uh, Season 4 starts October 25th. Oh, man, I'm so behind on that series. <laughs> I know, me too. And every time I go to the Walmart or whatever, I'll see, like, there's another D- Turtles DVD, and I'm always like, which ones do I have? I can't remember. And I know. I, yeah. I need to start making, like, a spreadsheet of everything that I do have and everything I, I need to get. Because, like, especially, like, the comics, I'm completely lost on what I have and don't have. Yeah, well, and especially with the the cartoon series, the, the cartoon series, like, all of the titles are, like, a story arc or something. So it's, like, Mutant Meltdown or, or Mutagen Mayhem or something like that. So they're not, like, word or sequential. It doesn't say, like, season two or whatever. So it's it's kind of all over the place. Well, I think I think they started doing that, I think, with the, the first season and maybe even the second now. But they're still doing, like, the, uh, you know, five, I don't know, five episodes per DVD you know, with the newer seasons, and I, yeah. I can't stand that. But in a way, it, like, it double dips us again. You yeah. know, it's like, hey, buy these compilations, but don't worry, here in about a year, we'll have it all on one disc for you. <laughs> yeah, and I, I did see, like, a season bundle pack, but I couldn't really see if it was just those DVDs repackaged or if it was a different disc set. So, uh, in addition to uh, this news item, uh, so season four of the animated series, October 25th, but uh, New York Comic Con, they announced that the original 1980s cartoon Turtles will be doing a crossover episode. Well, that so was the one I think, uh, what's his name was mentioning? Uh, Townsend Coleman. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. he mentioned something like, oh, there's something we're working on right now with Nickelodeon. And I said, uh, you know, I was trying to get some spoilers out of him. But, you know, he, he stayed stuck to his guns. He's a good guy. Uh, so, yeah, it's awesome. They're going to bring back some of the uh, original voice actors, just, <sighs> just like Rob was saying. So I know um, Cam Clark, Townsend Coleman, uh, Barry Gordon. I'll reprise the rules uh, for this so episode. Awesome. And Rob Paulson does double duty as uh, current Donatello and 80s Raph. Now, so. what, do, what do you prefer? His voice. Do you prefer it as uh, 80s Raph or, uh, I guess, modern Donatello? Uh, you know, it's really tough. I mean, I'm partial to 80s Raph just because that's what I grew up with. But uh-huh. 
he fits very well as Donatello. I'll tell you what. Here's I guess it says a lot about Rob Paulson too because when I first heard that he was going to be Donatello, I didn't think it would work. Well, I mean, like I I just couldn't see it because I guess I was already biased by hearing him as Raph for all mm-hmm. those years. I was like, oh come on, everyone's going to think Raphael, but now I totally see him as Donatello now. I think it it works for his nerdy character. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So you know. I guess I'm 50-50 on it. Yeah, it's, they're both really good. I'm just partial because I'm going old school, but, I mean, you could argue it either way. Well, Raphael is cool, but rude. <laughs> or was it crude? I can, I can never tell. Is it crude? Um, or... I Raph... think it's rude. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Michelangelo is a party dude. I can't... <laughs> I can't hit that high note. <laughs> All right. Um, so the next uh, news item is uh, getting ready for the holidays. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Christmas. Uh, and it was actually released October 13th, so it's already out. Um, it is, um, it's a DVD set with some of the 2003 cartoons. Uh, it's got The Christmas Aliens, The Way of Invisibili- uh, Invisibility, and Fallen Angel. So they're, issued, they're episodes that issued from 2003 to 2009. So um, definitely check those out. Uh, get that for your Christmas uh, stocking stuffer. I think I saw one of the 2003 Christmas episodes. I don't remember which one was which, but I remember it being really good. Um, and, you know, the, that's the funny thing about the Turtles, too, the Turtles comics. There are a lot of Christmas issues in the comics, and every single one of them, whether it's a micro-series or it follows the regular storyline, they're good from what I remember. Like, I can think of three off the top of my head. There's one where Michelangelo... It's a Michelangelo and Clunk story. Don't get me started. <laughs> oh, man, it's still blown up already. Uh, I know, I, but this was like a separate one. This was like a Christmas, like a holiday special uh, that was written, I think, in 89 or 88. And it was good. I remember it being very good and kind of like, kind of gives you the warm fuzzies afterwards. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I will definitely buy that. Did you catch a price on that, Jose? Uh, I don't remember. It was pretty. It was pretty cheap, though. I think it was something like ten bucks. You can get it on Amazon. Oh yeah, all right. I'm, yeah. I'm all so about I'm that. definitely gonna be picking that up because we uh we like doing Christmas movies. Yeah, yeah. It's, especially on your what eighty inch projector screen. Oh yeah, oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> especially dude the the we were watching the uh you know the uh, eighty seven cartoon. Series I know. I saw night. it on Facebook. Oh, oh, oh dude, I'm jealous. In the screen, you know, people forget that um you know those were all full screen, not widescreen. Yeah, yeah. So when you do full screen on the projector, it is huge. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, oh man, it is, it is awesome. How much of Krang's pretty intimidating, and the Technodrome. Oh, yeah. uh, dude, we were watching. Um, I, I think it was disc like four and five. I've got the, I've got the, the Turtle Van with the whole series, you know. Oh, that's what I got. Yeah, I was on disc like four or five, so I'm guessing this is like season two. But there was a couple episodes in a row where Pat Fraley did not do the Krang voice. They are rough, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember him mentioning it. Like, I th- I thought I remember him mentioning it in the interview. Like, once in a while, someone else like got subbed in or something like that. But, dude, it's like night and day. Like, they're a little hard to watch. <laughs> well, because were they even bad. trying like do the Krang voice or just the, you know they were doing tr- their own thing? I, I think they were trying, but it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of us trying to do it. It was bad. Yeah, I'll, we'll have to splice some of those in in one of these episodes so people can hear it because it's it's pretty rough. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, uh, so the uh, the next. Uh, turtle news item I have is... Dang, man, you're a machine. I know. I'm, I'm trying to run through them, man. I'm trying to run through them. I'm rest. Here I am slowing you down. But don't <laughs> I always... <laughs> I'm always holding you back. That's right. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Ultimate Collection, Volume 6. Uh, and that'll be re- released November 12th, 2015. Ooh. So if anyone wants to get, get me a uh, Christmas present, you can send that to <laughs> me. Uh, and then... Um, also, the upcoming, we've mentioned it a couple times, but the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles six-issue miniseries starts in December. Yeah, yeah, I know nothing about the series. All I've seen is, uh, I think, a Kevin Eastman cover. And oh, I saw that, too. Yeah, yeah, which I love the fact that Kevin Eastman was drawing Batman. That's just yeah. amazing. And he, you could tell he was, like, flattered that they asked him to do it. It was pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty awesome. And uh, the last one I have, which you're going to love this one, speaking of Kevin Eastman. Ooh. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Kevin Eastman covers, 2015. The whole book, it has uh, 50 comic book covers that Kevin Eastman drew. It's just all Eastman covers. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, I would take every single one of them and frame them. I know, right? 
Uh, special hardcover edition celebrates the milestone by presenting all of Kevin's IDW TMNT covers together. Sea uh, sketches and blue lines, inks, finished covers, and even some alternate takes that never made it to final printing. Oh. Uh, Trump Empire, Secret History of the Foot Clan, Turtles in Time, and ongoing. Uh, every new TMNT Eastman cover is here. So definitely something we're going to have to check out November 5th. November 5th. Keep an eye on that, everybody. I found all these. All this stuff is available on Amazon, so uh, if you don't have a, a comic book shop near you, you can pick it up there. Hey, did she say pizza? So you live in an antique store? Yep. Pizza. Mm. Above, actually. Well, I was going to give you guys a tour of the store. Ready? Okay, so... uh our main focus here for the month of October is the 2003 series, one of my favorite... You know what? I say one of my favorite series, but I, I like them all for their own reasons. I really do. I, it's, it's hard to pick one over the other. So anyways, uh, we decided to cover the 2003 Han action figure. Now, Han is a character that really I knew nothing about uh, in the 2003 series. I don't know... Now, I know in the IDW series, Han is actually Casey Jones' father. Which I love that idea, that here you've got Casey Jones, who kind of was on the fence of whether or not he was a good guy or a bad guy, you know, kind of, I guess, leans toward the good guy side, and yet his father is the same dynamic. You know, when he's not drinking, he's almost a reasonable person, okay, and he's almost a good guy, and you can almost kind of sympathize with him, but as soon as he touches the alcohol and he gets abusive and aggressive, uh, he's definitely a bad guy. But see, in the 2003 series, I don't think they were related in any way, except for the fact that Shredder had just taken Hun in as leader of the Purple Dragons and, and used him, I guess, to help serve the Foot Clan. So, anyways, uh, to the toy, uh, this figure was released in October of 2003. There was also a mini Hun action figure uh, released a few years later, but this, wasn't the toy, or this isn't the toy we're reviewing today. There were actually two different variants of this figure as well. There really? is just... Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. I've only seen... One picture of, of one of them. So there's the regular Han action figure that you'll see on eBay and, and, and things like that. Uh, just kind of more common. But there's also a, a, another figure. It's the same exact style of figure, but it came with a DVD that included the Han episode, like the introduction of Han in the 2003 cartoon series. But I have yet to see that. I only saw one photo on, I think, like somebody's Tumblr website uh, where he, he had found this particular figure uh, box with a DVD. But if I Google image it, I can't find it. So, oh. yeah, it was weird. I just kind of happened to see it by accident. So uh, that particular figure might be kind of rare. I don't know. I, I, and if it is rare, I wouldn't know how much it's worth. But, uh, you know... If, the rarity for the uh, the regular figure, it's very common. Um, there was, I, I uh, Google searched 2003 Hun action figure on eBay, and about 20 some results came up right away, uh, including some boxed ones. Uh, spe speaking of which, the pricing. Uh, if you get the uh, Hun uh, action figure without the Dragon Punch accessories, it's about five bucks on eBay. Um, if you get them with the accessories but still loose, roughly around ten bucks. And complete in box, uh, I've seen them range from 26 bucks to 35 bucks. Wow. So, yeah, a lot of the uh, 2003 toys are starting to go up in price, I've noticed. Uh, Do you remember I, seeing them in the store as a kid? Or, like, I guess, more like a teenager? Or... I, I don't at all. You know, but... I don't, but I wasn't really collecting the toys as much then. Like, I had the original Four Turtles. I think I had April and Casey. Well, no, I didn't have Casey Jones, but I had April. And um, I think I had... One of the villains. It wasn't Shredder, though, because I remember being really impressed with the 2003 Shredder action figure and always wanting it. Um, but I didn't have that. So, you know, I don't really remember this in stores at all. Yeah, I, I don't either. And, like, the packaging and everything, it doesn't look familiar to me other than, you know, us reviewing it. But I don't, I don't remember seeing it, like, back back when they came out. Right, right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad we're, you brought that up because the thing I don't like about the 2003 toys the toy line i i did not like the fact that you know the fronts and backs well the mainly the front of the box art they were all the same mm -hmm. you know you just had your four turtles at the top you know with uh, leonardo michelangelo Ra Raphael, and donatello just kind of all looking forward and you know then you'd have your unique figure in the plastic casing but i missed the variety i missed seeing a figure you know hand drawn pertaining to that figure you know say like for instance the classic series you had 
uh, sketches of Detective Donatello, you know, all around the uh, box art. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it was more individualized. But see, now, with the 2003 series, they all look the same except for the figure themselves. So... Or the figure yeah, the, itself. The, the card and everything is all interchangeable. Yeah, yeah that, that's what generic. I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, you just said, you just summed up what I said in like two seconds. <laughs> 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 that's what I was saying. Like, I talk around everything. But anyways, so, you know, we already talked about the um, uh, the front of the card. It's just kind of your generic, um, you know, 2003 Ninja Turtles box, you know, with the four turtles on the front. It does have the little symbol for the Dragon Punch um, accessory. But really, there's nothing to write home about on the front. Although it does mention that there's a free video game, uh, 2003 video game Konami coupon. No, wait, that's on the back. Never mind. I digress. Is the Konami code? There's no Konami code on it. <laughs> but I'm sure maybe if you use it in the video game, it unlocks something pretty cool. Yeah, it would be sweet. Like Venus de Milo is a new character. Uh, <laughs> you would think that was cool. Oh, take off. Take I off. you play as her every time. Well, you know what? For a lot of the fighting games, the chicks are the better fighters. I'm this just saying. True. This is true. <laughs> and I don't know how if that pertains to, you know, Chick Turtles. I don't know. <laughs> so it says here on the back of the card, it says, Better watch out, bad guys, because the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are going to kick some butt. Turtles rule. Which is kind of weird since this is a villain figure. But <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. Like, if you pick up this figure, the turtles are going to come get you. They're going to kick, kick your butt. butt <laughs> if they see you holding the Hun figure. That sounds like a threat. It does. <laughs> Uh, so it says here, uh, there's a nice little uh, advertisement based on the uh, 2003 Konami game, and it says the TMNT are kicking butt on your favorite video game system in October of 2003. Use the game code on the reverse side of this logo card to unlock secret features in the TMNT video games from Konami. So I guess that was the uh, Xbox One game, or the uh, PlayStation 2 one, um, that came out during that year. That's cool. I wonder what the code did. I wonder if it let you play as Han. That'd be cool. Oh, that would be cool. That would be cool. Should find out. So here's what it says um, about Han here, his background. It says, The most loyal, feared, and dangerous commander in the Shredder's underground evil army, Han is a mean, massive mountain of muscle. Some nice alliteration there. It was. Chosen by the Shredder when he was a young street punk running with the Purple Dragon Gang, Han would like nothing better than to grind our turtle buddies into a tasty powder for some gourmet turtle soup. And then here's where the specs are kind of, well, let me just read him. Weapon of choice, his fists. Birthplace, wrong side of the tracks. Height, <laughs> height, bigger than you. Weight, lots. Age, unknown. Previous form, schoolyard bully. So Nice. Yeah, so it's like, you know, either they, they were trying to be cool there or, uh, you know, they, they just got really lazy. <laughs> they didn't want to describe anything. So, uh, yeah, so that's uh, Hun for you. So let's talk about the figure itself. Uh, I like the uh, the tattoo. You like the tattoo on his arms? The tattoo is pretty sweet. I do He's like the easy. tattoo. Yeah. He must work out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He goes to the gym. Yeah. He goes to the he weight was... room. <laughs> he knows where it's at. Look at the butt on that one. <laughs> yeah, he must work out. Uh, let's see. So, um, so basically, uh, as far as the articulation goes, his neck can turn 360 degrees, so he has kind of the, uh, the scary um, exorcism effect, you know, where the head spins around. <laughs> Uh, his arms can turn 360 degrees, but not outward because there are no ball joints in his arms. One nice thing is that his left arm does have a spring. I don't know if his right arm does, but his left arm definitely does. So when you pull down on it, it springs back up like he's giving you an uppercut, so that's cool. His hips can only swivel side to side, but not 360 degrees. Uh, and his legs can swivel full circle, but again, you know, there's not outwardly because you know, there, are, there are no ball joints in this figure, which is kind of a little bit different from the... The turtles. The turtles do have some ball joints in their 2003 figures. So the accessories, uh, kind of lacking here. I thought uh, it's just the Dragon Punch golden spiky gloves. You know, they, they look cool when you put them on them, but they don't really do anything. They don't shoot anything out. Basically, it's just like brass knucks for them um, to where he can give you that uppercut with a spring-loaded arm. So, so uh, yeah. So between the limited articulation and the uh, kind of lack of variety for the accessories because I think, didn't April have like two or three different accessories in the 2003 line? Yeah, I think she did. Yeah, I remember she yeah. had one random one. I remember she had like a wrench, she had a laptop, <laughs> and then she had something else. There was three of them. I think it was a bomb or something. I can't remember now. But uh, I remember she did have quite quite a few accessories where, see, Han here only has one or two, but they're both the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you know, that's kind of what hurts this figure a little bit. You know, the accessories are kind of lacking. Um, and I get that he loves to use his fists, 
But, you know, why not give him, you know, to make the, the figure a little bit better, why not give him, like, spring-loaded twisting hips so he could also, like, do a hook, too? You know, because if... if uh, oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah. So, if, you know, that way he could, do, he could do an uppercut with one arm and then maybe do a hook with his right or left arm um, with, a, you know, his spring-loaded hips. But overall, it's not a bad figure. And, you know, I, I don't hate it. It's just kind of serviceable. So I would give it eh, about seven dragon punches out of ten. Yeah. Uh, I might... I'd probably take it down to, like, five, just 50%. It's like, take it or leave it. I mean, it's it's really, especially, like, I don't know, for the price, if I saw it 20 bucks boxed, I'd say no way, you know? Right, yeah, especially just, now. Yeah, I mean, if there's so many other cooler uh, figures that you could get for this series, so I, yeah, I'm not sure I would pick it up unless it was really cheap. I mean, it, it's cool, I like the tattoos, but uh, it's just pretty limited. It seems like that there's... Usually, there's at least one good, like, really great feature, but n none of them really jump out at me. Yeah, I think one of them, was it Baxter or some, I don't remember. One of the villains came with Mausers. Like, two Mausers came with it. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that's a cool accessory. And, yeah. And this one, like, it, it, I understand Hun's not a very, very major character in the series. You know, when you when you have something like that, and Hun doesn't, I mean, besides the fact that he's big... There's really not anything that cool about his look. So you have to give him a good accessory. You know, and, and the dragon fist just to me don't seem to do it justice. I, I wish there was something else he could have had. You know, I, it probably doesn't fit his character, but see, since he's such a big dude, I wish that like he had a huge mace or something like that that he could carry around. You know, That'd just a huge sledgehammer or something like that. Almost like what Rocksteady has in the IDW comics. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I could see Hun carrying one of those and doing some major damage. Because if you're going to make a guy that big, you don't want to just give him brass knucks. Give him something huge to hold. That'd be cool. So overall, eh, it was all right. Meh. Meh, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you, he gets, I guess he gets a five meh out of ten for you. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. Well, all right, Ozer. Well, hey, we got a comic to cover, don't we? We do. Okay. Well, let's let's get into it, eh? All right. All right. Hello, Violators. You're in Casey's comic classroom. Prepare to be schooled. Well, all right, Hoser. Well, uh, we're finally back to one of my favorite volumes of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. Uh, we are on issue four of volume four, um, and this was uh, released in June of 2002, and it was written by, uh, oh, I, I should say, Peter Laird did the writing, the lettering, the inking, and the toning, so he was a little busy on this one. Yeah. Jim Lawson did the layouts and the penciling, which I can't wait to talk about some of the artwork. Uh, Eric Talbot did the inking, and Michael Dooney did the uh, cover. And Dan Berger, or is it Berger? I'm not sure, uh, did, was the production assistant for this uh, particular issue. So, Josh, you want to kind of catch us up with the storyline? Will do, Rob. You're a good old boy. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys remember, the first issue in this uh, was very, very strange. It started off in outer space, mm -hmm. and uh, it was actually on the moon... And uh, there's a robot and a bunch of the... Is it Utrams or Utrams? I, I always say Utrams. I'm going Utram. Utram. Okay. Let's do it. Utram. Okay. Um, so uh, they're building some kind of thing in outer space. And then the turtles are fighting the... Who are they, Rob? The Manhattan... Militia. The Militia. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the Manhattan Militia. Uh, so the, the turtles are fighting with them. And... Uh, uh, the turtles are fighting with them. Uh, Casey and April are now married, and they're supposed to be going to the doctor to get information about their baby. Uh, and then, actually, um, during the fight with the Manhattan militia, um, Michelangelo gets separated. He ends up getting hit by a bus and getting knocked out. So Michelangelo gets picked up by some mysterious figure. Um, so that was issue one. Issue two, uh, Michelangelo Okay, can I stop up. you right there for a second? Yep. That's what's so amazing about this volume already. So what you describe? You got aliens. You got um, Casey Jones and April having a baby. You've got superheroes. You've got Michelangelo getting hit by a bus. I mean, oh my gosh! So much different radical stuff in the radical <laughs> pun intended. Uh, radical, radical, radical. <laughs> uh, you know, in the first issue of this volume, I'm sure the readers at the time were like, "What the heck is happening?" Yeah, it's kind of all over the place, but it's it's it kind of draws you in because there's so much going on. Like, yeah. you just boom, you're yeah. in. I love Peter Laird's storytelling. I mean, awesome. you know, a lot of people kind of complain about his pacing in the in this volume. I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I love there's so much different stuff going on. I really like the pacing of this volume. I, I don't know, but anyways, I digress. Go on. <laughs> but I digest. <laughs> I digest. <laughs> 
so issue two, uh, Michelangelo wakes up in an ambulance, uh, tries to escape, only to find that it's a flying ambulance. So he basically ends up going to a superhero hospital of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, in Massachusetts, Shadow rides off on her dirt bike to escape Splinter's uh, mothering uh, to meet up with her boyfriend. Don Raff and Casey investigate an abandoned armored car. Yeah, that had bodies in it. Yeah. I no, remember that. Like a, yeah, it was like, it looked like they had uh, busted into a bank or something like that. And they had one of them had like with a pimp hat from like the 70s or something. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and it looked like it was, uh, they had tried to rob a bank or something. Yeah, that's right. They died in it somehow. Uh, and then uh, issue three in the jungles of Venezuela, a research team discovers a life form. Meanwhile, in the Big Apple, Casey and Raph and Don get the abandoned armored car running, uh, much to the dismay of local New Yorkers. Uh, and Mar- Master Splinter and Shadow are uh, enraptured by the television coverage of the United uh, of the unidentified flying objects. So that's uh, that's kind of where we are right now uh, before jumping into this issue. So I'm telling you. Some crazy stuff happening. I mean, cats living with dogs. Mass hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically this issue here, um, like I said, it, it came out in June of 2002. Um, the story begins with one of the turtles building a snowman. And at first you don't actually know who it is, but he, whoever it is, uh, he's thinking about Shadow. And he's thinking about you know how much uh, that she enjoyed making snowmen when she was a child. So you, know, you can tell that many years have passed uh, you know, since, I guess, Volume 2 had, had left off. And the turtle's already com- contemplating on how quickly time flies. And, you know, he can't believe that Shadow's just got her driver's license. So already you kind of get this feeling of the, tur- the turtles are getting older, you know, and they can't believe how quickly time's flying and how, you know, Leon- you eventually find out it's Leonardo on the rooftop and he's training up there. But, you know, as he's training and as he's building, like, these snowmen that he's eventually going to cut to pieces with his katanas, he's thinking about, like, the past and how things are, are changing and how things are moving so quickly, which is kind of a different take on the turtles because usually they're the ones who are moving so quickly instead of contemplating how quickly time moves. It's kind of a trippy concept. But I have to say, and this is one thing I love about this series besides the, uh, you know, kind of more adult themes, is the artwork is fantastic in this series. It really is, yeah. And they did a great job of <clears throat> showing this rooftop, like, instantly. And, again, keep in mind, guys, these are black and white, so that's kind of challenging. But they did an excellent job. You can see it's, like, a a winter day. You've got snow all over the rooftop. And one of the turtles is out there, like Rob is saying, he's got a hat on, like a mm-hmm. winter hat and a winter coat and gloves. So you have no idea who it is. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you really don't until um, he, you see the katanas uh, on, I think, page three. That's That's Donatello. <clears throat> but I like how haggard he looks. Like, if you look at page three, um, when he's about to pick up his katanas, right where it says, uh, right before he says, time to be the sword, when, when he first says time, you look at his face, he looks, like, almost tired. You know, like, almost like, I don't know, just like he's got a lot on his mind. And I love, like uh, you said, Josh, the rooftop artwork. I mean, you got buildings in the background. You've got, uh, you know, his breath, I guess, the mist from his breath because of the cold air. You've got all the snowmen that he's built, all the footprints, the foot tracks and everything. It's just very detailed. And it reminds you, this is Jim Lawson here, um, and it reminds you of Kevin Eastman as well. You know, just the very, very close attention to detail uh, for for the artwork in this entire series, not just this issue alone. But um, I don't know. I was immediately sold. Heck, you look at the very first page. Uh, and you just see two big gloves building a snowman, and even that page, that panel itself, looks so detailed to me. But they also had like custom-made gloves, I noticed. Yeah, the yeah. three fingers. Right, right. Okay, so we eventually find out that uh, Leo, um, he's kind of giving this whole internal monologue as he eventually stops reminiscing about you know Shadow in the past and picks up his katanas. And I really like what he says here. You know, I just think it's a cool line. It's time to be the sword. All right, it's time to be the machine that you're supposed to be, the the weapon that you're supposed to be. Um, so we find out that uh, Shadow has been living with Splinter in Northampton after being attacked by the Werewolves gang in New York City. So I don't think that actually happened in Volume Four. That must have happened in a different volume. Yeah, uh, yeah, because Leonardo just references it real quickly. And uh, like I said, on pages three and four, Leo almost looks tired and frustrated with things, you know. And then on the top of page four, it almost looks like he's either meditating or kind of saying a silent prayer before he starts training, you know. Mm-hmm. And he and he's slicing the arms off these these snowmen uh, that are that he built on the rooftop. So 
again, great artwork in this in this particular scene. Yeah, I feel like he's just like concentrating his energy because you see him, he's just real still. And then yeah. you see the next frame, you just see one single breath rising up like he's like exhaling, just to, like calm all of his nerves. nerves. And then he just explodes. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like he's kind of psyching himself up. And yeah. that's when he goes crazy on all those poor snowmen. They never even stood a chance. No. No. <laughs> yeah. And the artwork, I mean, like uh, on the top of page five with Leo just like – He's facing one and, and cutting it in half, and then behind him he cuts another one by ha- in, in half with one like fell swoop. It looks awesome. The back attack. Yes. Then on, uh, I think, the bottom of page six, there's uh, one particular snowman that has the shredder helmet. Yep, yeah, I noticed that. that it cuts his head cool. off. Straight off. <laughs> he ain't coming back. Nope. No, he's not going to be here for next Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is very, very cool. And then on the top of page seven, you kind of see Leonardo right after he's done with his training. He looks gassed. He looks tired. You know, on the top left panel, you know, and, and I love that because, you know, the, tur- the turtles are older now. You know, this training, it's getting to them. Yeah, it kind of made me think of, uh, you know, uh, Return of the Jedi? When, oh, yeah. Uh, when Luke is, like, fighting Vader in the, uh, and he... He just starts getting angry, you know, mm-hmm. and he's like chopping him, chopping, chopping, and then like he kind of stops for a second, and then realizes like how much, how much anger he had built up. Oh yeah, and how much energy he had expended. He's just kind of like, whoa, was that me? That was kind of the impression I got. Oh wow, like geez, yeah. did I just do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like the Urkel. Did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so um, let's see, where did I leave off here? You know, so finally Leo decides to quit the training for the day, and he looks pretty ragged by the end of the training, but uh, Leo, he's, he's kind of startled by this armored car that uh, pulls into the garage. And, of course, at this point, Leo doesn't know that Donnie and Raph and Casey are in this car. He doesn't even know where it came from. They just pull into the garage underneath. Um, and this is the one that Donnie had fixed up in issue two. So Leo comes down to the garage to meet Don, Raph, and Casey, who come out of the van talking about you know, these aliens that are taking over the city. And, of course, Leo has no idea what they're talking about, so Don kind of persuades him to check out the news. And, you know, and that always made me wonder, like, how the heck are they paying for the cable bill? You know? <laughs> Dude, they got a techie guy. You know they're getting it for free. That's true. That's true. They're yeah. borrowing cable off the neighbors. That's true. I, I can see, uh, you know, Donnie splicing into it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's how he gets his HBO and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, meanwhile, at the same time that they're all huddled around their TV in New York City... So Shadow, Shadow and Splinter, they're watching TV as a, uh, a superhero by the name of Steve is in the kitchen talking to another hero on the laptop by the name of Joe. And he asks him if he should get involved with the matter. Now, I can't remember what Steve and Joe were up to. Were they from the hospital? I think they may have been, yeah. I'm not, I, I don't remember those names for some reason. I don't either. I don't but, either. Yeah, I, I don't know. But apparently, you know, Sh- Shadow and Splinter know them because they're in uh, Splinter's kitchen. Yeah. I guess, so... So, you know, anyways, on the news, a reporter showing the spacecraft that has landed in the river in New York City and reports that there has been no activity since it landed. However, the reporter also notes that he thinks that the superheroes patrolling the no-fly zone know more than they're letting on. So it cuts back to the Turtles uh, and Casey and April watching the same news broadcast as Mikey says that he's seen one of the superheroes at the superhero hospital. Which, I, th- I love that dynamic, too. You've got more than just... The Ninja Turtles in this society. You've got superheroes as well. Um, so you got mutants and superheroes. You can't go wrong. So, um, so suddenly the reporter shows the spacecraft again, only now one of the doors of the spacecraft is actually beginning to open. And this strange-looking hovering device comes out of the doors and, and kind of looks like it's scanning the area. And then the next thing that comes out, uh, so it comes out from the spaceship, I guess, or island, whatever you want to call it, uh, and it's pulling something. And it's a USA spaceship uh, called Defiant, which uh, the U.S. had lost contact with several weeks before. So it's tugging this, like, through some kind of invisible barrier, invisible, I don't know, chain or whatever you want to call it. it this strange device is pulling this old U.S. spaceship out from the island. So the tugging craft, it, la- it lands the U.S. rocket safely onto the ground in front of the plaza of the United Nations building. And, of course, all these people are crowding around uh, this, this mysterious uh, spacecraft that's holding one of our rocket ships. And I love the attention to detail in, in, uh, in this scene because you see all these people storming around. I mean, you know, hundreds of people cr- gathering around watching, you know, this strange spacecraft uh, with anticipation. So 
Then a door opens on the, the foreign spacecraft, and a flight of stairs begins to descend to the ground. And the most interesting part is, Scott Harlan, the commander of the U.S. Defiant, and his crew, the people that everyone believed had been lost um, on that U.S. shuttle, they begin walking down the stairs, and they got smiles on their faces. They're happy. It's crazy. It's like, hey, we're all right. Don't worry. Welcome home. Yeah. We good. And, yeah, we cool. And everyone claps, and everyone's like, oh, they're alive. They made it. They're fine. And everyone seems normal and everything. They've not been abducted or anything. So, and then here's the funny part. You want to describe this scene, Hoser? So uh, they've finished descending down the stairs, and they're on the ground, and they go, uh, yeah, we've got some friends who we'd like you to say hello to. And then it just goes right back to the top of the stairs, and you see three of the, the U-Troms in their little <laughs> walker things. And they just look so, so strange. Yeah. And, uh, and I, love, I love the description that the newscaster says. He says, um, what can only be described as, very alien beings have appeared at the top of the stairs, and they're about the size of basketballs, and should be riding two-legged mechanical devices of some sort. So, and uh, this is great because, uh, again, I was watching the the '87 series the other night, and it was almost exactly what uh, Krang is in before his body is available. Just oh the two, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, a little two-legged deal with a little platform. Well, as a matter of fact, I have uh, the figure of just the. It's like the classic uh, figure. Um, oh really? Yeah. Or uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's the uh, you know how the playmates released the new classic figures. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of Krang with those those legs, those weird awesome. metal legs. Yeah, the chicken legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you should wing it sometime. Oh, that's right. Oh, good call. Eh? <laughs> so, uh, so it's I kind of just imagine like the whole crowd, like the air gets sucked out of the room, just like totally dead silent, uh, and the announcer says, uh, "the the level of tension in the air is nearly palpable." And then one of them starts walking down. <laughs> I love and this. And one of these aliens kind of look like brains, don't they? He started to descend down the stairs. And he, you know, he's going, and he's just quietly going down. It's completely silent. Everyone's just staring at him. And he trips! <laughs> he trips! And he trips! It's awesome! <laughs> it made me, like, laugh. That scene actually made me laugh, because he almost made it. The poor guy was on the last step. And then he falls forward. Yeah, I'd say he take a header, but... He's just a brain. <laughs> he so took he, a brain. He brained himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's a gas from the crowd when he hits. And then, um, <laughs> and then it says you can sense you can sense the uh, relief as the tension has now been broken. And then uh, you know the other guy helps him up and uh, he's okay. He's okay. He's okay. <laughs> just a little rattled. <laughs> it's like, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was that was, that was great right there. It was like it kind of lightened the mood of the comic book a little bit too. So you know the copy kind of picks up the the fallen Utrom and the Utrom's like, hey, thanks, buddy, and everyone starts clapping and laughing and, and you know what, everything's gonna be just fine. But here's where the comic gets crazy because when I first read this, I was like, am I missing a page or something here? I did the same thing, the exact same thing. Because immediately, very jarringly, right after this funny scene where the Utrom falls from the stairs, um. Very jarringly, the turtles are attacked by some mysterious foot ninja in their lair. And it's a serious attack. And it's the same foot ninja from the cover. Yes, it's the uh, foot ninja from the cover. So very, very quickly, right after that scene, uh, that funny scene, we get this really serious scene where this foot ninja breaks into the sewers, and she's an ext- uh, this person is an extremely strong adversary. So Donnie, real quickly, he tries to fire one of his arrows, but um, you know, for some reason Donnie's got a bow at this point. And one of them has a maze, too. Right, that's right. So the foot engine, so that should kind of give you a clue. Something's not quite right here. They're going medieval on her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like that, uh, what was that from, medieval times? Is that from Cable Guy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to medieval times. <laughs> uh, so Donnie, he, he tries to fire one of his arrows, but the foot engine snatches it out of midair and uses it to stab Leo. Stabs him right in the chest, rendering, rendering him useless for the rest of the fight. So it's like, holy cow, how did this just happen this quickly? So, and then, then the foot ninja strangles Mikey with a longer version of a nunchuck. Looks like some kind of mace or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which takes him right out of the fight. And shortly after this, the foot ninja trips up Donnie and kicks him right in the face. And you kind of see the word crunch or snap right above his neck. So immediately you think the worst, you know, that he's broken his neck. And then, finally, the foot ninja uh, kicks one of the fallen katanas in a Raph's midsection, knocking him out of the fight. So, and then the foot ninja steals one of Raph's size and stabs Donnie, who's trying to make a surprise attack. So, so you see, after this brutal onslaught, all four of the turtles are left for dead as the mysterious ninja t- finally takes off her mask. And you find out it's Karai. But thankfully... Okay, you want to describe it, Hoser? 
Yeah, so it was very confusing because, uh, so you know, you actually see the turtles fighting, and then there's one, there's one uh, panel where it's it's cut from uh, the top right corner to the bottom left corner, and you can kind of see a transition between uh, these foot soldiers lying in the same places that the turtles would be. So it's kind of showing you that. In her mind, she was fighting the turtles, but they're actually foot soldiers. Right, right, exactly. Now, that is some hardcore training right there. <laughs> yeah. She just killed those foot soldiers, but she was thinking, um, you know, the whole time about the turtles. That's how she would kill the turtles. And that kind of explains why, you know, the turtles had some different weapons than what they normally use. So, uh, but when I first read this, not knowing all that, I was like, oh my gosh, the turtles are dead. You know, you know, I thought I thought that it was, you know, because to me, the um, the character from the front of uh, the, um, the the cover and also the character, obviously the same character in these panels, looking at the face, I kept on thinking it was a robot. Yeah, it kind of kind of looks like that, that way. And yeah. I thought, well, maybe this is a training scene and maybe it's a robot that Donatello made and they were practicing against it. Oh, hey, you're kind of half right. That's kind of what I thought. And then. um I was like, so maybe they're fighting against this uh, this training robot in order to prepare fighting against um, Karai, but I guess that's not the case. <laughs> no, I, I I guess not. Yeah, I don't I don't think it is. Yeah, not I I didn't really get that though at first. Yeah, it does kind of look like, especially the eyes. It does look like a robot almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, right after she kills all the foot people or the foot soldiers, um, her brutal training is interrupted by a man named Yanada who informs her that of the Utram invasion. You know, meanwhile, Mikey and Raph are making their way back to the surface to check out the uh, UN building to see if they can meet up with some of the Utrams. You know, I, I like that they just kind of pick them and go, it's like, hey, let's go there, where they're shooting this stuff on film or on the news. So they're, they're about <laughs> to make their way up to the surface, so they just have to make their way through the sewers, but all of a sudden they stop, as Raph is convinced there's something in the sewer water. And sure enough, he's right. A huge robot looking like one of the... Uh, uh, the huge robot, I think it's the one from the very first issue comes, you know, out of the water, and it's huge. I mean, it just towers above the turtles. It reminds me of uh, Gort from The Day the Earth Stood Still. I thought the same thing with a little beam going across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Oh, it was awesome. And then it says, to be continued, right before they're about to be attacked by this this huge uh, droid. Oh, uh, it was definitely awesome. I, I couldn't believe, like, how just how quickly it jumped from scene to scene. It was a little jarring in the middle, but um, I I was okay with it. I, it just it really holds your interest, and to me, I think uh, I, I really like the issue. One of the reasons was I feel like it, it draws you in because you're trying to figure out what's going to happen next, and you're trying to figure out where they're going with things. And um, obviously, with Leonardo, you're wondering, you know, at the beginning, why why is he so um, I guess introspective and thinking things like why is he, you know, what's going on with his character? And then with the Utrams, I can't help but feel like they're trying to to lull the people into a false sense of security. Ah, oh, good point. That he tripped on purpose. It makes you wonder. Mood. I don't know. That's just where my mind was going. So it kind of got me thinking. You know, I didn't really think about that till now, but that makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Yeah, because I, I can't remember. I remember reading this this storyline, uh, gosh, 10 years ago. But I don't remember whether or not the Utrams were good or bad. I can't remember. So you might very well be right. Uh, and you know, with the Utrams, I'm sorry, they don't have the greatest track record. They really no, don't. I don't trust them. No, no. I mean, especially if you read the IDW comics. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of jerks. A little bit, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I kind of like the fact that Leonardo's a little bit more introverted in this. You know, he's kind of staying away from his brothers. He's not really, I mean, of course he loves them, but I think he's kind of battling something himself. You know, I, I think, I don't know, there's something going on with Leo. And I don't really know what. You know, you're absolutely right, and they kind of hint at it when they bring the, uh, when they come back with the armored car. There's a line in there that stood out to me, um, and I'm trying to find it now. Here we go. Here it is. Um, so you know, they just arrived, and they're talking about, um, you know, what's going on. He's, hey, have you heard about all this weird stuff? Aliens, dude. Yeah, we're being invaded. Casey, don't jump to conclusions. Um, and Leo goes, wow, I am so out of it. And then he says, this is the line, I've been practicing the last couple of hours, and you know how I can get. And I'm like, what does that mean? My guess is he gets, when I first read that line, I, I took it as like he gets in the zone so much that he kind of forgets what's happening around him. 
But maybe there's yeah. something deeper going on there. I don't know. The when you mentioned he kind of looked almost like um almost angry or something. I don't know. Like to me, I'm kinda like like uh he's telling the the guys like, Hold up, hold on, you can't just come in here and like start talking about all kinds of craziness. You know, I need to I need to call my nerves after I practice or something. Oh, oh, so you think like he's almost like frazzled after he, he he's yeah. done training. Like he's still really in sure. his own. Yeah. Oh, that's that's interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah, something. I mean, especially because he cuts the head off of Shredder. Yeah, that's that's the uh, you know the grand finale. Yeah, so I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Like you're saying, it's really talking more about his character. You don't really know, but they're hinting at something deeper, which is cool. It makes him more interesting. Absolutely. Well, see, that's the thing I love about this series. You have a lot more. See, I think that's a, the thing I like about storytelling. I like good character development, and I think the, some people like I re, I remember reading at the. At, uh, end of some of the issues of the fourth volume. You know how they would have letters to the writers and stuff at the end. Uh, when I remember some people kind of complaining about the pacing, but to me, you don't have to have an action-packed, story-driven um, story every time. You can have character-driven stories that are just as good, to, in my opinion, if not better. And that's what I like about this series because it focuses on what the turtles were thinking a lot more. Uh, you know. I think Leo's got his own battles, and I know later on Michelangelo does too. So, uh, and Michelangelo's supposed to be the funny, you know, lighthearted one, always trying to lighten the tension and stuff. So, I like that about these turtles. I, I think they're a lot more, you know, two dimensional than than what we're used to. So, so uh, how many? Um, what would you give this issue, Jose? Uh, it was pretty good. I'd probably say, um, hmm, I give it a eight out of ten slices of pizza. Oh, nice! Well, I will give yeah. this issue. I'm with you. I love the artwork. I love the story. I love. Um, I love Leo's character in this issue. I love how kind of isolated he is. I love the training scenes on the roof, and I love the tripping utrams, and I love the fact that the uh, Peter Laird and Jim Lawson really kind of swerved me with the um, the uh, training scene with Karai. I love oh, that. Yeah. Love that. I thought that was such a cool thing because it had me. It kind of did the old bait and switch on me. <laughs> uh, so overall, I give this a nine tripping utrams out of ten. So there you go. <laughs> nice, sweet. All right, guys. So uh, next Saturday we're going to be watching uh, episode five of the 2003 cartoon, uh, which was uh, uh, called Nano. All right, which we don't know what that means. Okay, I don't know if that was a you know some kind of robot or something like that, but um, it was released in March eight of two thousand three, and this is the fifth uh, episode of the first season, and it was written by Eric Luke. So stay tuned for that. We're going to be recording a green screen on that next Saturday, and then following that, just to kind of conclude everything, uh, we were thinking about doing a toy review, but I think we're going to lean towards uh, reading issue five of the um, fourth volume of the Mirage comics. So. So we got two more episodes worth of 2003-era Turtles to talk about. I want to see more Tripping Utrams. Yeah, me too. Me too. I can't get <laughs> enough of the Tripping Utrams. Now, if they they got to like find creative ways to trip you know, throughout the series, too. Like if there's like little furry creatures in the woods and they like unleash a bunch of sticks. That kind of <laughs> and then it... Oh, wait. Or, <laughs> that's good. Or, or one of them gets stuck on the escalator. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That Utram's on the escalator again. That Utram is back on the, the escalator. escalator. <laughs> Dude, let it go. Uh, so, uh, so anyways, Hoser, to close out this uh, totally bodacious episode, what kind of pizza are we going to have today? Well, it is October. It is October. I'm thinking we should have some candy corn. Oh, I was thinking that. Dude. I was. I was like, candy corn pizza would be awesome. That would be awesome. I actually want to try that, sadly. It doesn't sound too bad, really. It really doesn't. I'm, I'm telling you. If you'll put pineapple on pizza, is that that different from candy corn? Not really. No, no. It's let's still do sweet. It. Let's well, do let's it. do it. All right. Well, you got right, some candy corn? Yeah. No, oh, you, you stocked up, eh? <laughs> I do. All right. Well, all right, listeners. Well, here's to hoping you enjoy your candy corn pizza. Cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga. All right. All right. Gotta gotta sniff up some snot, eh? Oh, that's right. I got a little bit of sinus trouble. Ugh. But the cure is some good old turtle soup. Is that wrong? <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. All right. Cue the turtle news. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you came prepared. I came prepared. <laughs> that was, that was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. I was I wasn't prepared. 
All right, yeah, you're gonna have to edit that out. Oh, I loved it. You're, you're gonna have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it though. He's like, no, no, now the pressure's on. I can't do it. There? <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> oh man, you're gonna give me heartburn. Yeah, I had a Mountain Dew. And it got stuck in my throat. Just put on the Mountain Dew. <laughs> I'm still on the Dew. I got a problem. You'll all solve it. <laughs> Where are you going with that? I don't know. <laughs> I, liked, uh, I liked your answer, though. <laughs> okay. Okay, go ahead, Hoshi. All right, so, uh, news one. Get out of here. No. No, seriously, get out. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm right. not really sure what we're going on about. But... Well, what were you expecting? Um, I was hoping... <laughs> <laughs> you walked into that one, didn't you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, that was great. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> In the 2003 era, uh, we decided for the a April's and now I'm getting tongue-tied. For the April's Antiquities, Josh, why did you have to name this segment? <laughs> I, I had to. It is pretty good. I like it. I mean, dude, have you looked at this? Did you come prepared? <laughs> hey, don't worry. I came prepared. <laughs> Put those away. Listeners, I mean, just just go ahead and watch the original film again, just so you can hear all the great Corey Feldman lines. Uh, <laughs> seriously, pick up a Blu-ray. It's amazing. It is really good. It is so it, it's so worth it. <laughs> just a tarnation. <laughs> what tarnation? Oh boy, I tell you what. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's just showing. Come on, man. On eBay, you have the Ninja Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Casey's Comic Classroom. That's right. Hello, Violators. <laughs> You're in Casey's Comic Classroom. Oh, man. Uh, oh, I was watching. <laughs> oh, Stacey, and watching... <laughs> Stacey and I were watching the original cartoon, and uh, it was the, I think it was the first or second episode with Casey Jones. Ooh. And Stacy could not get over the voice. Like, is that the regular voice? Like, is that... I was like, yeah. It was so funny. And I was like, yeah, he's supposed to sound like Dirty Harry. And then someone in the, I think it was Donatello, actually says, uh, you watch too many Filthy Harry movies like <laughs> in, in the cartoon. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so he's, he's all about people breaking the law and like, you know, oh, that's, that's illegal, this is illegal. He comes up to like a bum and he's like, you're loitering, that's illegal. <laughs> it's like, dude, seriously, he's like sitting on a park bench. And then the best one uh, was, I forget, I think they were like, I don't know if it was Shredder or something, they were like copying something. He's like, Copyright infringement. Oh man, <laughs> it was hilarious. I was just like, oh my gosh, you're gonna be kidding me. Oh, it was hilarious. This is a real episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was that's great. Funny. That's I funny. think that one, the the cop- copyright infringement, might have been the <laughs> might have been the second appearance of it. It was hilarious. <laughs> well, I'll have to find it and post it. It's oh, great. please do, please yeah. do. See, Casey Jones, he takes everything seriously. He does. <laughs> so come on, you're jaywalking. <laughs> I kneecap you. <laughs> Try walking now. He beats like an old Violator. <laughs> beats up an old man. Who's <laughs> seen now and didn't know? There was a guy just laying on a park bench. He's like, you're loitering. This is illegal. He <laughs> kicks him off. And walks all over like shaving uh, himself. He's a junk jerk. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he goes to the wall, man. That's true. Yeah. And he hates punkers. <laughs> Especially punkers who wear green makeup. Yeah, bone wants green makeup. Michelangelo gets separated. He ends up getting hit by a bus and getting knocked out. Uh, and then his body is hit by a bus. <laughs> Dude, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Those things are gonna be cancer. You know, like I, I knew a guy who died once. Really? Do you have cancer? No, I got hit by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> it shows that it cut away. It cuts away to. This Mountain Dew's getting to me, eh? Oh, okay. So it cuts to Shadow and Splinter watching TV as uh, a super right here. Oh, gosh. Sorry. <laughs> Let me start over. Jeez. Broken all over this episode. Track again. Yeah. Suck me right in. <laughs> 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 Thank you. So, was it the door they were looking for? <laughs> it was. It could have been. I, I don't think so. No. Move along. <laughs> hey, what are you trying to pull here? He's got a bad motivator. <laughs> or, or one of them gets stuck on the escalator. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That Utrom's on the escalator again. That Utrom is back on the escalator. 
pizza, dudes. And dudettes, I should say. Can't forget the dudettes. You think any dudettes are listening? Maybe. But, you know, uh, we'll let Venus to Milo talk, probably. <laughs> we got our Venus uh, audience there. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, well, Calabunga, dudes. Trouble. Don't give in and go sour. Try to rely on your turtle power.